you have a message from God burning inside you? With over 62 million people in the US alone listening each week, a podcast may be the perfect vehicle to spread your message. At Kadosh Media, our passion is to help ministries get their message out to the masses. It's so easy. Just press record and let us do the rest. You will have your podcast up and running in no time. To get started, go to kadoshmedia.com to schedule a no-obligation consultation. Remember, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. So let Kadosh Media help your voice to be seen and heard today. He's not limited by time. We are. We live in linear time. We live in that one-dimensional idea of time. And if you study this out, go and study it. It's so fascinating. It'll blow your head up because it's so hard to comprehend. But he's not limited by time. He is everywhere at all times. Everywhere at all times. So he can be my comforter. He can also be up ahead of me preparing and making a way. That's why he is not just a comforter or just a way maker. He's a comforter and he's a way maker. He will also fight for you as you walk through this. You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Hello, Altered Stories show listeners, and welcome to my season three, episode 125, God Goes Ahead of Me, God's Story, featuring my special guest here, Sharon Smaga. This is your Chief Storyteller host, Michelle Saunders-Gutch, and thank you for listening and watching my show that helps Christian women share their God stories so women around the world can hear them and never feel alone. And friends, I hope you're having a fantastic month of February and love month. Here in KC, we're super excited to be celebrating the Kansas City Chief Super Bowl back-to-back recent win. I'm also excited to celebrate another win, and that is the fifth anniversary of my show and Altered Stories Ministry. Thank you for all your amazing support of the show and the ministry and all the listens, friends. I am so thankful for those who have helped me grow my show, too. It does truly take a tribe. And without guests like Sharon, we wouldn't be where we are. Also, friends, I wanted to give a big shout out today sincerely to Kadosh Media. They are fantastic, and they are sponsoring this show today. They have been so amazing. Um, They do incredible podcast coaching, and they're a great production company. They do a lot of other things, too, and they've been so supportive of my ministry and this podcast And friends, just a few quick reminders. And thank you, Sharon, for sitting there and being so (laughs) lovely while I talked through some of this. Um, I just wanted to remind you that if you haven't had a chance, go check out my 52-week devotional uh, that just follows all the top 52 episodes that I've actually put out there. It's a digital download on our website. You can go to www.alteredstories.org forward slash Devo to purchase and download, and all the proceeds of the sales go back to Altered Stories Ministry. Another reminder is that we do have a YouTube channel set up now, in addition to our audio recording. Go check us out, subscribe. And I want to also remind you that I always look for feedback and testimonials on the God stories I share. So enough of all this. Let's get going. I'm excited to bring to the mic my first guest, which I introduced to Sharon Snaga. And now uh, she's just, I think, about ready to jump in here. She is truly a gem, friends. I can tell you, I pre-interviewed her, talked with her. I know she's a proud mom of two adult sons. She's a lover of dogs. She's my kind of gal. She's a Christian life coach and podcaster. With over 20 years of experiences, uh, experience in helping people develop more satisfactory relationships and face challenges and develop confidence and a sense of worth by overcoming some hard things and taking on healthy risks. And she wants to help others reach their goals and dreams. She's my kind of gal, friends. 
Um, I know she's passionate about her family, small businesses, travel, financial freedom, overcoming grief, and pursuing purpose over perfection. So enough of that. Let's bring her to the mic. Welcome to the Altered Story Show, Sharon. How are you doing? I am good, and thank you for having me. And congratulations on your fifth year. That's really neat, and I'm glad I get to be here for that. And I also want to thank Kadosh for sponsoring me, Michael and Teresa. I love you guys. Well, so Sharon, is there anything else you want to share about yourself personally? I mean, I took a lot of different things through our conversations and then the bio, but sometimes my guests for icebreaker purposes want to share something maybe that I haven't. Something crazy about you maybe? I don't know. I don't know if there's anything crazy about me. Um, I I think that uh, in my personal, I'm an empty nester. That's yeah. something that you kind of alluded to. And I was thinking about this part of our interview this morning. And I thought, you know, I just really think I want to tell people I'm an em- empty nester widow. And there is a lot of joy in that is as hard as that sounds to people. I stay really active. Um, I'm a gardener. I love my dogs, yes, and I'm an avid gardener. I'm a swimmer. I'm just very active. I'm an voracious reader. Um, so I finished an excellent novel last night and stayed up too late, even with this interview coming up, because I couldn't put the book down. It was marvelous. So I'm a pretty simple gal from back east, born in Jersey, uh, have migrated over time. I'm ex-military. I've traveled um, overseas. I've lived overseas a couple times, and I, I also travel um, try to travel fairly regularly because I have learned one of the secrets in life. If you really want to keep your mind agile and sharp and stay in a positive mindset, um, and remember that there's something beyond a circumstance you might be going through is that you've got to get out of your own comfort zone. You've got to get out of your own shell and just put yourself out there. Um, so yeah, it just, you got to put yourself in uncomfortable situations on purpose. Yeah. It seems like God doesn't want us to ever get comfortable. <laughs> no. You know, sometimes I tell him, hey, a little more pasture time would be really great right now. Uh, the funny part that, of that is, though, and I don't know if this is just a me thing with my personality, but when I'm in that pasture or I'm in that predictable pattern very long I get super restless anyway and then I I may or may not be that gal that whines at our father a little and says I'm bored is this all there is to life so I think we live in that tension right of um I I want predictability because that feels safe but we're not we don't thrive chronically living in predictability either and I think we know that about ourselves at some level yeah well it's so Wonderful. You're so positive, gal. You're just incredible. Uh, <laughs> well, you are, you come across that way. I, you know? I think I am. You are definitely a joy say, bringer. Know, well, thank you. Life, you know, yeah. one of the things I've learned as a believer is none of us are getting through our walk on this earth unscathed. Right. So I think we need to fight for what is good and right. We fight from the victory. That's something God has already given us. And, but, you know, you guys also don't see uh, the moments where I'm sort of curled up in the ball, you know, with the Bible on my lap, sobbing and crying out to God. And that's all part of it. So I also don't want to present this, you know, just smile and love Jesus and it'll all be okay. Cause life is anything but a bumper sticker, isn't it? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's really a good one. Yeah. So, well, thank you for being so authentic and, and opening up a little bit in those areas too, you know, for wisdom's sake, because I do think coming out of your comfort level is important, albeit it's sometimes difficult to do that, but I think that we gain so much growth out of it. You know, you and I talked a lot about a lot of things, but one of the things, you know, I'm very passionate about is helping women share their God stories, their testimonies, their victory stories. 
And there's so much freedom that I've seen that's come out of it for women in different parts of their stories, you know, where they're at. But I would love to hear from your perspective why you think it's so healthy, why women should share their stories of redemption. Why are God's stories so important? Oh, wow. You know, there's probably a whole list of reasons, but what immediately comes to mind is so we don't feel alone. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing it like, because it's so easy to feel alone in your struggle. Um, It's so easy to think I'm the only one. And so if we aren't being transparent and authentic and honest with each other, then we are sort of left alone. Um, And I know that it's so easy to talk about the more obvious things, which is we need to understand that God is redemptive, that uh, a moment we're going through or a season we're going through is not the end of our story. And sometimes it's the beginning, right, of that next really big part of our story. And all those things are true, but that's what really just went through my heart when you asked me that is, I don't want any woman to feel alone. I have felt so alone at times walking as a widow. And that is where the enemy gets the greatest toehold. It's where it's hard to um, walk in the joy of mm-hmm. God. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, how do you how do you access that strength if you feel so isolated and alone that you don't even know how to to grab hold of that, the discipline of that joy, even, or to walk in that joy. So I I just don't want women to feel alone. We are all struggling. Nobody's nailing this. Right. Nobody. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. You know, I'm not even going to say, well, I'm not perfect because I tell people, well, boo, nobody ever thought you were. So nobody needs to predicate what they're going to say with that statement. Right. We are struggling people. And I learned this many years ago. Um, because of a card that was given to me by a friend. And she just said, I know you're struggling. And my prayer for you is that you struggle well. And that has resonated with me over the years because we are all struggling. There's nobody that's not in struggle. And that's sort of the mirage that's being sold to us. If you keep walking through the desert, you do everything just right. You'll finally hit water. And the truth is we're all struggling. It's just that some of us have learned to struggle well. And I think listening to some of your content doing this and talking with you yesterday, what I love is I feel like that's really your heart is I want women to know how to struggle well and have victory, not just to endure, but to actually have victory and to thrive. Absolutely. And you hit the nail right on the head because we, the board and those of us that have been so passionate about bringing together this ministry and the growth and all of that in the healing realm, you know, we've all agreed that no one should feel alone mm-hmm. and we don't want them. That's why we want to penetrate into those areas where maybe there's a woman, you know, that doesn't have access to all the things that we have access to, you know, and just can hear just th- this, maybe this is all she has yeah. to hear. And nobody should be invisible. No. I think I think our greatest fear underneath a lot of it, even with God sometimes, is, is do you really see me? Am I seen? Because I can't feel loved if I can't be seen. And right. we're not invisible. We feel that way sometimes. But even to your listeners, I would say right now, none of you are invisible. Even if it feels that way right now, you are not invisible. You are seen. Yep. We love that. We love that. You are my kind of lady. Ah, Thank you. (laughs) So now we're going to get a little personal. Mm -hmm. And I know that you get personal with people from time to time in certain situations. Mm -hmm. And so what I want to hear from you is kind of your victory story, your God story of Mm -hmm where God came in and made the change as a result of circumstances. And so this God goes ahead of me, God's story that we've called this, you know, I would love to just hear from your perspective, kind of just where that began and kind of take us through 
the, you know, the, the different, um, just the different situations that mm -hmm. you encountered and how God played a role and how you continue to move forward into pursuing everything that God has purposed you. Obviously you're a life coach, a wife, mm -hmm. you were a wife, a mom, you know, now you're best friend, sister, all those wonderful things too, and empty nester. And, but mm -hmm. it would be wonderful if you would be able to share that to encourage those that will be listening today. So my storyline starts way back. I'm a very young girl. I'm living in a very dysfunctional home. And I think that we'll just let that encapsulate it all um, in a respectful way. I am one of four siblings and I am the only girl. Uh, probably why I'm so spunky because you kind of survived three brothers. Oh, yeah. That's and, how my niece yeah. is. <laughs> yes, and going through different types of abuse. Um, I think by the time I graduated high school, I had been to 14 different schools in my growing up years. Um, very unstable environment. Uh, but at a young age, was exposed to who God was and exposed to Christ through some grandparents who were not, not the most warm or loving people in our lives, the way you would think of a traditional grandma, grandpa, really yeah. had a huge influence uh, looking back and never gave up and never stopped praying and trying to influence. And I'm about 10 years old, and they send the book series for my two older brothers, because I'm the third out of four, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. And it was just sent for my two older brothers. And I remember being very offended by that because they didn't, I guess I thought they didn't think I was smart enough <laughs> to read that higher reading level yet. So they read the books and then I read them. And so what happened for me that years later, I realized was truly where I first met God was in those books. I had accepted Christ at a vacation Bible study or vacation Bible school one summer but I think I didn't fully understand. I understood intellectually, but, and it was kind of what you were supposed to do because that's what you were there to do. Um, but where I really met Jesus was in the character of Aslan. And I it's would read powerful. those books over and over. And I'm going to get emotional because this is so much for me. I fell in love with Aslan and I wanted to be Lucy. Aww. And I wanted to ride Aslan's back and have him, um, you know, how he kind of like, you know, corrects the children through the story, but loves the children, is there for them. And I knew I really did understand that in that story that he was Jesus. Yeah. And I just absolutely fell in love with Aslan. And that is how I fell in love with Jesus. Now, that was not nurtured. That was not, I don't even think I understood it. It was not something that was talked about in my home. And so I spent many, many years of even my young adult life sort of, um, I equate it to, you know, I was living like a dumpster fire. <laughs> there was glitter, but it was a yeah. dumpster fire. Yeah. Um, and then in my 20s in college, um, some very, we didn't talk about any of this yesterday, but yeah. some very um, pretty horrific things happened to me with my family of origin that I'm not going to go into or yeah. share right now, but, um, and I had to walk through some kind of hell I, I had never, um, even considered could happen to you in your own family. And I was a single mom at the time. And I remember it just, it, it literally just drove me back into the arms of God. That's the best way I can describe that. Yeah. And so I can't even be angry about it years later. There's no point. And God has healed those wounds, but it literally drove me back to him. And um, sure, sorry, there was a bug. Oh. <laughs> Shortly, and that was just instinct. Like, forget <laughs> I'm on camera. Shortly after that happened, um, I was finishing my last year of graduate school. Um, so I'm a marriage and family therapist by license. And I've yeah. been in that field for about 25 years now and met my husband 
to be, did not know, had actually decided I'm in my, you know, I'm 30 years old. I'm never going to marry. Actually, I think I was 31 when I met him because this is how quickly we married. Wow. And I'm never going to marry. And Lord, just, I trust you, just make a way for me to graduate and make the living I need to while I'm serving you and to take care of my, my baby boy, right? Because he was um, seven at the time. And I met my husband at a wedding. Uh, my A friend was getting remarried and my husband was the officiating pastor. And the groom had met me the week before, two weeks before over breakfast and spent the entire wedding reception trying to get my husband, Greg and I to meet each other because in his mind, he just knew we needed to meet and date. It, it's the most interesting thing, right? Especially that the, the, the matchmaker, if you will, was a man. Yeah. Um, so we met yeah. that day. We talked for hours and hours and hours. And uh, the short version is we married, a, I think we married in under six months. Um, beautiful, beautiful man. And 15 years later, so this is kind of interesting. I was 31. He was 46 when we met. Okay. We 15 years difference in age. Okay. 15 years later. So he's 46 when I meet him and we marry. 15 years later, he passes away unexpectedly, and I am now 46. Wow. Yeah, really interesting. And that we is had intriguing. A, another child together. So I have a 31 year old and a now 19 year old. Okay. Yeah. So when he passed away, uh, our youngest was 11. Yeah, you and, talked a little bit about that. Yeah. So what happened for me is he had had ongoing health issues all his life. Um, his entire life, frankly, was God's miracle. Uh, when he was born, I believe his mother was told he wouldn't live to see six months old. Um, flash forward to when I am medium, there's different medications out for things like asthma, COPD. You know, there's some things that were going on medically in his family. His father died at a much younger age than him. He passed at 61. And, you know, we're just sort of handling things. It's just part of life. Yeah. Um, and I think that last year, some things had come up and they were not good. He had a severe fungal infection in his lungs, and those are very dangerous. And he had battled probably three to four of those in his life already and victoriously. And we we're sitting at the specialist, and he showed us the picture, the pictures they had taken of his lungs on his screen. Yeah. And I never said this to Greg, but he turned that screen around, and I just looked at it. And all I heard was this voice saying in my head, he's going to die. And I just, I almost, I just couldn't even drive after that. And then we went over to the next appointment and it was very serious. And I think I just knew we weren't going to make it out of the woods this time. Uh, in two weeks or less of that, and they, the medication they had to put him on for that, they monitored you in the hospital for a few days because it can make you throw a clot and stroke. And so we, he monitored that he came home. Uh, I was supposed to go to work the day he died. And I had some, I think mild food poisoning. So I wound up staying home with him. And I think we just sat there that day, kind of knowing, not understanding what would happen, but not, but knowing things were not going to be okay, but nobody, neither one of us would talk about or wanted to say it. But he also, in his own way, was making sure I knew some things that typically he would not talk about. We went to bed that night and I woke up in the, the just the dead of night. A noise woke me up. It's that mom brain thing, I think. And um, he slept with a CPAP and it just was this really terrible sound, almost like when somebody has severe breathing problems and they sort of finally wake up, they stop breathing and they wake up. And I woke up and I remember flipping over him and turning on his bedside light. And he was gone. Oh, and I knew he was gone. Um, I was trained in CPR. Uh, he, he was gone. But I think your instinct is just to save, to preserve. Well, yeah. So uh, we were lived out in the county. So I'm basically it. I'm all he's got. I'm first responder if anything's going to happen. So I called 911. 
I remember closing my young son's bedroom door and just begging God, please don't let him wake up. Please keep him asleep. Like, I don't want him to wake up and witness this. And he never knew any of this. God kept him asleep because I had every light in the house on, every light outside. I'm on the phone with 911, telling them where I am, what's happening, starting CPR on him. Um, they come out, I think, another 20 minutes. So we, we've gone probably 40 minutes with no heartbeat. Yeah. And I understand what that means. And one of the EMTs walked out to the living room, room to tell me um, we can't get a heartbeat. And at that exact moment, the EMT in the back did. But I found out later he coded again on the way to the hospital. Um, and it was just a massive heart attack. He lost, I think, was 80 to 90% of his heart and probably the same amount of his brain. Um, it was a very long several days at the hospital mm -hmm. dealing with this. I think I was in, I know I was in shock a lot. And when all the information came back on the damage to his heart and his brain, um, and he, he didn't want to be resuscitated to begin with, but he did not have a DNR in place. He just would not do stuff like that. Right. Ooh. So here I am and I know what I have to do. Um, and I'm, in shock and I'm going to have to deal with his family and um, not sure how they're going to feel about things. And I'm sitting out. Uh, I would just go and walk at times and just sob. And I don't mean just cry. I mean, sobbing to the point where I remember one time thinking, what is that noise? Is there an animal out here or something? And looking around and realizing those sounds had come out of me. Oh, like it just felt like my entire heart was being ripped out of me and I couldn't breathe and asking God what to do. Um, yeah, he just was so gracious in all of it. So, cause I, I want people to understand because I think sometimes we think God does not work in the same ways now that he did back then. Yeah. But he does. He does. And he, he doesn't have to, he, he is God regardless, but I want people to understand he just loves us enough to do these things for us when we need them. And what he did for me that day at the hospital, when I knew what I had to do, but I felt so scared. Like there's that party that's so scared. You, you hear the information medically, but you love this person so much. And you don't want to be the person that makes a wrong decision. And yeah. I'm sitting outside the hospital, just looking up at the mountains um, behind us here in Alamogordo and praying. And God just, all of a sudden I realized I'm, he gave me a vision and he let me see and made it clear to me that Greg was already gone. Yeah. And there were, um, what to me looked like, it must've been an, an angel. It looked like a man. Um, but it was with my husband and um, I got to see that ascension. I don't know a better way to describe it. And I had, and God just let me see he's going, how he's coming to me. This is done here. This isn't him anymore in that hospital bed. Yeah. And it was a lot, of course. Um, but it was also something really beautiful. And I said, okay, Lord, but I've got to go tell his family. And I don't know how I'm going to do this. My sister-in-law had gone with her husband, I think, to get something to eat and came back. And all I could think was, she's the one. I, I've got to talk to her first. She's going to be the one that's most likely to understand. Yeah. And I told her what had happened to me. And she said, Sharon, what time was that? And it was like, I don't know, 30 in the afternoon or something. And I told her whatever the time was. And she said, I felt like Greg went home at that same time. I felt that peace that he's not here with us anymore. And I think it was because of that. I had the courage to then say, okay, here's what has to happen. Yeah. And so, you know, because he didn't have the DNR in place, I had to say, 
you know, signed the paperwork and we went through that and said goodbye to him. And that was that. And then um, I thought that was the most difficult thing until I realized I had to go home and tell my children. And, uh, wow. Um, so brave, gal. You're so brave. I don't feel brave. I don't think you have a choice, but that's the yeah. most extraordinary. That's the, the worst thing I've ever had to do in my life is to go home to them and tell them he was gone. That yeah. is indescribable. Um, but through all of that, um, and all those years before in my life, what I can tell people and the women listening is the handprints, the fingerprints of God are all over my life, all over my life. And that began a season of grief. I do absolutely believe scripturally, you know, we walk through seasons. I think we talk about that a lot and we reference scripture, but we don't understand what it is to really live that and to embrace that. And I made the decision that I would embrace the season of grief. Um, initially, I think you're just, I think I told you yesterday when we were talking, I felt like somebody had come in to lose a spouse. Um, and my best friend, I felt like somebody had walked in and just blown up my life. And it was raining down around me. And I'm just crawling. I'm just sitting on the floor. And my life is raining down around me like pieces of confetti. And I don't recognize it anymore. And I don't even have the energy to crawl around and try to put those pieces back together. And what I know that I know anyway is it would never look the same. It will never be recognizable again. And in a moment, you realize your whole life, everything you thought it was, and everything you thought it is going to be, it's just gone. Uh -huh. It's just gone. It's like ground zero gone. It was absolutely devastating. Um, I didn't have a clue what to do. The only thing I knew that I could figure out was I had to go through it. And I think I understood that intellectually from my work in mental health if I was going to heal from it, because yeah. I'm here to tell people, if you think running away, avoiding, medicating, your, your issues are going to serve you. It's not, it's going to make them last longer. It's going to make them grow bigger and more damaging. So I understood that I had to be willing to walk through this. And I just remember thinking, I don't know how to do this. And my next thought was, I've got a choice. This is a choice point in my life. And I can either lean into God or I can lean away. And I think our instinct in our flesh is to blame him, lean out, run away, act it out. And I just simply made the decision in that moment that I would lean in. No matter what, no matter what, I would cry out, I would beg him. There were nights that were so hard, I would just rock on my bed sobbing. And the only thing I could pray was, save me. And I didn't even understand why I was saying that. But I just knew if he could not get me through this, I was not going to get through it. And there were some pretty dark moments where some other options looked pretty good <laughs> for a moment. Yes. Um. Yeah, there were some really dark and hard moments in that valley. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a time where uh, my son became suicidal. I don't know if you can imagine, you know, sitting bedside with your 11-year-old and him saying, you know, Mom, when I was at school today at recess, I just wanted to run out in traffic because mm -hmm. then I could go home and be with dad. I could go to heaven and be with dad. And another choice point, right? Like I was just sitting there like, Lord, what do I say? <laughs> God said, well, maybe just be honest with him. So I looked at him. I said, I understand that. And mom feels that way sometimes too. 
That's the best thing you probably could have ever said. Oh, being it's a, honest with him. So yeah. he knew he wasn't alone. Yeah. You know, looking back when you say that, that makes a lot of sense. And we just made a deal. You know, we made our pact. And I said, mm-hmm. but I'm going to tell you what, I need you. And yeah. I know you need me. So our deal is we can feel that way. We can talk to each other about it but that we promise we'll never act on anything like that. And as only an 11 year old can do, he looked at me and said, well, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. I'm not dumb or something like that. And I said, Uh okay. I said, but I understand that it feels that way. And I know that in moments that can become very, very intense. Um, And that's very much a spiritual battle too. Um, you know, I had a moment, I will tell your listeners and half of them, at least maybe it will be appalled and maybe the other half will be relieved, but it's the truth. Um, that summer we started traveling a little bit and we were going up uh, a mountain road to get to, um, in New Mexico, it's called the Gila Cliff Dwellings. And it's really quite well known and it's something to behold. And it takes a really long time to get up there because it's a very winding mountain road with a lot of sheer drops, like literally jerk the wheel, you're gone. It's that's that. so scary. It, it actually scary. really is. Um, <laughs> and probably had I known, I wouldn't have said, let's go to the cliff dwellings, but it's kind of the thing you do if you're staying in Silver City. And I'm looking over and, and I want people to really hear, I don't care how spiritual you think you are. I don't care how long you've walked with God. When you are in those valleys, you can get very spiritually confused if you're not aware of what's happening. And you can, and sometimes it's not even confusion. It's just that is, this is the depth of a pain that you don't feel like you're ever going to see the other end of or get relief from. And that's very much the moment I was in, excuse me. And I looked over and I thought, this is the thought that went through my head. You know how scripture says it, take every thought captive? Here's why. (laughs) What the thought that went right through my head without missing a beat was, you could just drive off the mountain with Caleb in the car and then you could both go to heaven and be with Greg. It wasn't emotional. It was just such a deep, deep, deep pain that I couldn't imagine ever coming through the other side of. Yeah. And I thought it and God said, absolutely not. And you listened. Well, yeah. The power of obedience, because if I trust him, if I really trust him, that's the mm-hmm. depth to which I will obey him. Right whether I want to or not, feel like it or not, and see why or not, right? Do I respect the guardrail? Because on the other side of every guardrail God gives us is a steep cliff. <laughs> yeah, that's profound. Right? That That is so profound, Sharon. What you just said is truth, it, and it is a, a free freedom that comes from that truth because it is all about trusting God enough to be obedient. And I think we fall at that sometimes, you know, we we fail, excuse me, we fall down, we fail those things. It's a struggle. It's truly a struggle. But at that point, you trusted God. You had had, that history. He had been there. He had gone before you. You had that relationship. Mm -hmm. He had a track record. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And he, the the thing about God that I think we lose track, there's so many things we just don't understand and can't comprehend. But even in the things that he teaches us about himself, um, I've learned so much walking this so much so many good things and it's just grown the depth of my relationship with God and I am so grateful for that 
But I think we forget, you know, we think of time as linear. So that moment on the side of that mountain, that's all I could see was this linear time. And how long now will I be stuck here, if you will, having to walk and feel this way? But what one of the things I learned in this experience is God was already up ahead, way ahead of me. That's He's not limited story. by that's yes. the God story. Yes, that's the and God he, story. <laughs> He's not limited by time. We are. We live in linear time. We live in that one-dimensional idea of time. And if you study this out, go and study it. It's so fascinating. It'll blow your head up because it's so hard to comprehend. But he's not limited by time. He is everywhere at all times. Everywhere at all times. So he can be my comforter. He can also be up ahead of me, preparing and making a way. That's why he is not just a comforter or just a way maker. He's a comforter and he's a way maker. He will also fight for you as you walk through this. But what became very clear to me walking through this season of grief, um, and this, this was about a seven-year walk. I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for people. It wasn't that intensity of the first couple of years. It softens, but it is a walk. Mm -hmm. It's a commitment to the grief. Yeah. It's a commitment to healing even. And there's going to be a million times you're going to say, screw that. I don't want to. I just want to avoid it. I just want to escape. I'm tired. Why should I have to work this hard? Right? That's our humanity. Um, but what I learned, it, it was so obvious to me. God was just up ahead of me the whole time. He had been up there, mm -hmm. you know, before I even knew I was going to exist on this earth he was up ahead of me and knew I was going to face this and was making a way through and yeah. there would be things like I didn't have the money for something I needed and I think I went through a period of okay well I'm alone and you know I'm alone and I think I learned to pray a little more like Dwight Moody back in the day when he had his inner city mission and I would just say you know what Lord this is what I learned to pray because I want people to understand this because I understood he was up ahead of me. I was learning that. And I could pray and say things like, you knew this was coming. So let me know how you're going to meet the need or fix it for me. Yeah. Like I would just pray that bluntly. I think God then I'm probably like, appreciates who you yeah. are there. I mean, we, yeah. he wants us to be honest and authentic with him too. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. And I'd say, I got to get back to work now. My next client's here. So let me know how you're going to fix this. <laughs> and I'll just say yes. Because I got stuff to do. <laughs> right? So you will learn. Um, I think what we resent is it takes walking through the things that at times will crush us. Right? Yeah. But that's also how you make good wine. You crush yeah. the grapes. Yeah. Right? That's, that's a good so, analogy. Yeah, yeah, this calling will crush us. And yeah. we don't draw close to God when things are easy. We tend to lean back and give ourselves credit. And other people do too, right? So that's the perfect trap. It makes me feel good. They think I look good. I want their approval because we get caught up in this um, worshiping at the feet of each other. So one of my mantras is, you know, I worship God and I love you but yeah. I only worship at one set of feet and, and it's never going to be yours. Not even my children, because yeah. I really feel like we idolize our children and our culture. So for people to understand, you don't draw close if you're in your self-reliance Yeah, and that you will walk through things in life. And I've walked through many seasons. Um, this is the one I'm sharing with your listeners where you will be stripped away of everything, including yourself, that you rely on. Yep. And God yep. will show himself to you there. And it is raw. It is bigger than you, but it is the only way we come to the end of ourselves. It's called surrender. Yes, ma'am. Yes, it is. It's I always think of it in sign language. This is weak. Right. This is a sign for a week. And I learned that years ago. And I think that in we see that as weakness. But in our surrender, he battles for us. That is our greatest strength is when we are weak. 
And that's yes. biblical. That is scriptural. But you don't learn it without walking it. No. And I can encourage someone, but they have to walk their road. And yes. some people can encourage me along the way, but I have to walk my road. For me, it is very much um, the Psalms. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And sure, you know, I was a private school kid in my early years. I memorized that in the King James, that whole chapter. But what really I've learned too is, and I want to tell people this, remember this, it's the valley of the shadow of death. Mm -hmm. It's a shadow. It's not a real death. As believers, right, we we know that. Um, I guess you can make the argument, everybody's eternal. It's just where your real estate's going to be. So, <laughs> but, yeah, right? Uh -huh. Location, location, location. Yes. Um, oh, you, yeah. you're, you're so witty. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. That's right. You um, are. So, uh, <laughs> I think there's a, you know, God gave us humor too. And that's a great coping me mechanism it, when it's it applied is. well. So it's a valley of the shadow of death. It's not real death. It, it may feel like death. It may look like it at times, uh, but it's not real death. It's just a shadow. And you don't have to be afraid if you know God. If you know the Lord, you don't have to walk in fear. So when he says fear not, and we think, what do you mean, Lord? How can I fear not? That's how. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, what can anybody take from you? Yeah. Because you belong to God, right? And if you think about it, there has to be light for there to be shadow. Yeah, I don't know how many people think that deep shadow. about it. It's the shadow of death. Mm -hmm. And if there is no light, there's no, no. shadow. Right. So who's in that valley with you? The light. Yes. God is there with you. He yes. never left you. And I want to say that to people too. You might be scared and you might feel alone, but God never left you. We leave him a lot. We're very fickle, but he is constant. And he cannot be anything but constant or he is no longer God. Yes. It cannot be God and then be fickle or inconsistent. Then he is no longer God, right? So yes. he's the constant. He never left you. Right. I will never leave you nor forsake you, he says. And in that valley, for me, is where I've learned most profoundly that truth, that relationship. And I've learned it through relationship with him. He has never left me. He has never forsaken me. He was way up ahead of me, making a way through this yes. for me. And so I could heal. And the valley of the shadow of death, just a shadow, and there's no shadows without light. He is there with you right now, whether you feel it or not. He's there with you. Whoa, well, hey, I could <laughs> talk with you. And be ministered to from you in so many areas, gal. This is such an incredible conversation. Thank and you. I know we have less than uh, probably two minutes now we need to yeah. move on. But why don't you, in closing here, just quickly tell us how for someone who wants to reach out to you, Sharon, because we're going to have this episode up on a page on our website with your info and all of that. And it'll be out on YouTube, you know, the conversation we're having here and all the wonderful things that you're sharing. But can you just in closing quickly tell us how others could reach out to you if they would like to talk with you? Sure, absolutely. Um, you can go right to my website. It's popcoach.life, not .net.com. I'm a .life because... Um, while I like life as the end point, but it's also very affordable. So, <laughs> so it's P-O-P-C-O-A-C-H dot life. Um, and pop is purpose over perfection. And I think my passion has become, we're spending a lot of time on image management. And and then um, I think as women, men and women, feeling like we never measure up to being the ideal Christian or whatever that idea is. Yeah. And 
Um, you can find me there. You can find my content there. I'm a, uh, I would call myself a fledgling podcaster, yes. which was actually never my goal. Yes, but here we it are. usually isn't. <laughs> yeah, I've been told that by, you know, Kadosh Media, and they laugh at that <laughs> when we talk about it. But it's there, and it's it's pretty rough content, but I think it's it's raw and honest and good content. And I'm I'm definitely um, learning, um, and I keep telling myself you can't promote purpose over perfection if if you don't put yourself out there. Um, it is not it is not biblical content directly, and and I will let your listeners know that because my goal. Is I've worked in mental health for 25 years, which basically right. makes you a missionary if you understand anything about modern mental health. And so my goal and what God, I feel like, has instructed me to do is to put out biblical ideas, right? Promote what is mine. He said, you've been doing this 25 years in the field when you can't speak my name in the room. The biblical principles in so a way powerful. that I'm hoping to reach broad audience. Okay. And well. time's up. That's Sorry. a wrap. That's a wrap. And what you gotta a wrap be careful it, about turning me loose, girl. Oh, hey, I love it. That's what I do well. So, okay. friends, uh, thanks again, Sharon, for taking the time out of your busy schedule. God bless you, praying over favor, all those wonderful things in the work that you're doing and the healing of humanity and all of that through biblical application and wisdom and all those things. So check out our podcast, friends. What's the name of it again? Top Coach Life. Okay, check it so out. Check out our website. Streaming, you, it's Top Coach Life on all the platforms. Okay. All right. And until the next show, friends, be heard and be healed. Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org.